Welcome to The Rock Podcast. We continue with our verse-by-verse study through the wise sayings written and collected for us by King Solomon. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we reflect on Proverbs chapter 28. So I was having a little debate uh, with myself in my own head about breaking off um, this Wednesday night and doing something more Christmassy instead of going, we do verse-by-verse study here through the Old Testament on Wednesday night, if you're not familiar uh, with how we do things. And uh, then I started thinking, here we are in Proverbs, a book about wisdom and exercising self-control and restraint and discernment. And when better, and when is it more necessary to have those kinds of wise behaviors in our hearts and lives than at holiday time when we're getting together with our friends and our relatives. Uh, We all need some wisdom. There was a moan here. There was a collective moan. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. Um, So good. We are staying on track. So if you're not used to, I've never heard a a message, a study through the book of Proverbs in my entire Christian life uh, because they just come at you. Uh, They're little two-sentence sermons, and mostly uh, people don't know how to teach. They're not used to teaching through uh, the Bible. And so we're just going to hit each one and uh, reflect on what um, the application and its meaning to us and see, we'll reach into the, the uh, wonderful uh, treasured chest and pull up some uh, proverbial sayings to help us this Christmas time. Let's see where we begin at verse 1. The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So here, right away, uh, there's no better confidence booster or builder than a clean conscience. The knowledge that you're right with God, that God's with you, his promises are good, he will be with you. Of course, we as believers are bold as lions. There's no reason to fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You just think about that. It's when we lose sight of who we are and who he is and all his precious promises that we start to panic. He just says, listen, if you, have a, if you know the Lord and you're right with him, um, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Uh, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The answer to that technically, what can mere mortals do to me, is a lot. Uh, you know what, they can do a lot. However, when I'm in God's will... Everything is working together, even their evil plans, God will mean for good and do a wonderful work. So there's no reason. Now, so he's saying, bold as a lion for those who are right with God and scared as a rabbit for those who are not. And of course, if you don't have a clean conscience, of course, you're insecure. You're looking over your shoulder. You're wondering who's going to find out your texts or your computer or your uh, gossiping or your theft or your whatever it is, your affair, right? So, of course, if you're not right with God, uh, you have a lot to worry about. And, and it brings on insecurity because you've got to make up stories and you've got to cover your tracks and you're on edge and you're easily spooked. And, you know, when the pastor says, hey, hey, let's have lunch, you're like, cool. You know, I've had that happen so many times. Hey, can I talk to you? About what? (laughs) You know, know, so when your spouse says, hey, we need to have a heart-to-heart, you don't have to have a panic attack, you you know, because why? You're you're right with God. Your sins are forgiven. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're perfectly surrendered. You're not living a double life. In verse 2. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) You're encouraging me. When a country is rebellious, it has many rulers, but a man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. So this is timely insight with our change of um, 
administrations going on now. So a nation's stability, the point here is, uh, comes through a knowledgeable and discerning ruler. And when that's not the case, during rebellious times, um, many with many people vying for power and a lot of coup d'etat kind of countries that struggle with that kind of thing, just as a reflection of the rebelliousness uh, of the leader and also of the people. So a good example of this is in the days of Judges where they had a different judge every other chapter, you know, and uh, Israel had a divided, uh, uh, Israel split in two, and during that time, they had 20 kings and nine dynasties in the north. So it just was a sign that, uh, you know, one writer said this, people generally get the government they deserve. Um, Lots of scrambling at the top is a bad sign for everyone else in the country. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's the not my president kind of thing. It, it, that's exactly what it's saying. It's like, uh, yeah, there's multiple. Oh, we, we like this guy. Uh, you've got this guy. There's the split. There's not a coming under of a submission of authority like that. And so verse 3, a ruler who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain that leaves no crops. Uh, this I really like because it's it's saying a leader who uses his influence, let's look at it wider, a leader who uses their influence in an oppressive and abusive manner to abuse the, the, the take advantage of people that he's supposed to be serving uh, shoots himself in the foot. Because they're, they're, if there's no crops, how are, how's the leader going to? Uh, There's no economy, there's no country, and if there's no country to rule, there's no need for a ruler. And so it's kind of a shout out to, if you've been given authority, uh, don't take advantage of people, serve them. It's an investment in the the whole and in yourself as well. Verse 4, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law resist them. I really like this one. It's interesting and insightful. It's kind of like, duh. But listen, the only ones who applaud and justify wrongdoing are those who are doing wrong themselves. I just start to think about that, you know? So it says a lot about the so-called Christians, the progressive ones, now, you know, the more enlightened ones, uh, that, that those guys who are delighting in, in behaviors and, and tolerating them and saying, yeah, that's okay, God's cool with that, everybody's going to make it in the end. And, yeah, you know, however you're so inclined, you can express that, and that's okay. The only reason you could call something right that God calls wrong is, is that you're on board with the wrongdoing, that you have wrongdoing in your own life. It's only those who know the Lord and walk with him in obedience, the the verse says, that you will stand up and say, hey, uh, wait a second here. (laughs) And and who's, who's the ones who say, hey, wait a second here? It's only those who actually fear God and are doing it themselves. That's just kind of a like, wow, yeah, I know that, but... It's kind of nice to think about it. Uh, Verse 5. Evil men don't understand justice. So we're on a roll here with this theme. Evil men don't get justice, but those who seek the Lord get it. All right, so verse 5. So similar uh, thought here. So evil people don't get justice because they don't want to understand justice because they live lives that are at odds with justice. So, in other words, unbelievers, evildoers, don't want to understand justice because if they do, then they're putting themselves in harm's way. They think justice is whatever benefits them. You know, and so you hear the crowds chanting, uh, what do we want? Justice. So when do we want it? Now. I'm like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you really don't. You want mercy. That's what you want. When do we want it? Yesterday. Uh, oh, my word. Come on. And so, yeah, they, they don't get it because they don't want to get it because if they do get it, then they know they get it. 
at the Did you follow that? I followed that, and that's what's scary, and so did you. <laughs> All right, verse 6. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are crooked or perverse. So a lot of times the Proverbs is, saying, is talking about, listen, the goal in life is to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and not feel sick about the despicable human being that you've become or deteriorated into. So the Proverbs want to keep you from, from that sick feeling. And, and, and the way to do that is to say, listen, walking with God is what counts. Character is what counts. Uh, better to be poor and suffering the hardship. It's terrible to be poor. I think everybody knows what it's like, most people in this room. When we first got married, we didn't have two, what do you say, two nickels or two pennies to rub together, you know? It's terrible. It's terrible to have bills and, 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 and crying babies and, and, and not to know where that next check is going to come from or those resources. But better that with a clean heart and a clean conscience and being right with God than having the paparazzi follow you around and everybody snapping shots of you as you trot out of the limousine like, yeah, look at me, I'm all of that. And you're crooked. Well, it doesn't count for anything because it's not forever. And righteousness, being right with God, saves you from death. And it satisfies your soul with good things. Amen? Amen. Verse 7. He who keeps the laws is a discerning son that a companion of gluttons disgraces his father. Now, it's a foreign concept which occurs over and over in the Proverbs. It, worked, uh, it works in the Far East. doesn't work today to motivate. It worked 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago here. Uh, but it doesn't work in 21st century America. The concept to motivate one young person on the basis of how, you, how your bad behavior will hurt your parents. Well, that, that does nothing today. That does very little. Once in a while, you'll get somebody with a soft heart and say, I can't do that. It was shame my father. But not in American society that teaches you you're all lone rangers. We're all islands unto ourselves. It's not like the Middle East or, the, or Japan, where I spent four years, where, where everybody's thinking, how will this behavior affect my mom and my dad? You see, so he starts off by saying, he who keeps the laws of discerning son. So if you, if you want to be a wise son that brings joy, we've already heard that part that brings joy to mom and dad, then you'll be living by according to God's word. And then he says, but the companion of gluttons, that word there, really, when I really studied it, it really means a party animal. That's what it means. It doesn't mean a guy who just eats too much. It means he eats too much, he drinks too much, he's too much sexual immorality. I mean, uh, too much was the wrong way to put yeah. that, just stepping over too much of everything. There's no boundaries uh, morally. So he says uh, that, is, that is, is disgraces his father. But today you say you're going to disgrace your father. It's like, I've got a life to live. I don't live for my parents. Oh, but the Bible's understanding is you're going to hurt mom. You're going to hurt dad. You can't do that. Yeah, it's a whole different world. The Lord says, oh, my ways are higher. You know how high, <laughs> how different our ways are? He says, think about how high heaven is from earth. That's like eternal values, right? Infinite. He says, that, that's how my ways are different from yours. Verse 8, he who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for someone else who will be kind to the poor. So getting ahead financially by taking advantage of, of others or needy people in this case, eventually God promises, he doesn't tell you how or when, but he just promises, it will leave your hands when you're greedy and take advantage of people and get rich the wrong way. Right? It will leave your hands and it will get back into the pockets of those from whom it was taken. That's just sort of a financial 
karma. <laughs> you know, uh, and find karma, when I use karma, you know I'm just kind of elbowing you. It's sowing and reaping uh, with a God who's intentionally maneuvering behind our actions, giving us what our actions deserve, and sometimes mercy, uh, but uh, a lot of times uh, teaching us along the way. Verse 9, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, the Old Testament calls the word of God, the Bible, God's commands, law, which is a really good insight for how God thinks of his word. He doesn't think of it as the 10 suggestions. <laughs> oh, that cracks me up. The 10 suggestions. You know, eh, hey, you know what? If it's convenient, you know, if you wouldn't mind not having another God beside me, you know, if it fits into your schedule, if you guys can show up once in a while to worship me, you know, if not, I'm cool with that. What? Yeah. If anyone turns a deaf ear, so, so he's saying, listen, if you're deaf to God and what he's asking, he's going to be deaf to you and what you're asking. Doesn't that make sense? Because even if he answers somebody who doesn't have a relationship with him, they're going to spend that the wrong way or use that the wrong way. They, they're not in right relation. Do you know how many millions of people pray, religious people pray to God and don't know him and don't live for him and just think, you know, it's my time to pray? This, this really exp explains a lot. You know, it, it just God... <laughs> God hears us and listens to us. Now, the prayer of repentance, 24-7, anytime you feel like repenting, you're in, you know, and especially when you're in a world of hurt, you know, and, and but, um, yeah, so don't hinder your prayers. Peter says, husbands, treat your wives sensibly, lest your prayers are hindered. God's like, you think you could treat her like that? And then come in and just talk to me and start asking for stuff? No. All right. Moving on. Verse 10. <laughs> That's cracking me up again. Sorry. <laughs> he who leads the upright along an evil path will fall into his own trap, but the blameless will receive a good inheritance. Uh, we've heard things like this before. It's really, this one's easy. Destruction awaits those who corrupt others, and reward awaits those who have integrity. Uh, verse 11. A rich man may be wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has discernment sees through him. I really like this one. He's saying anyone can qualify for wisdom. Even when you're dirt poor and you're an insignificant nobody in the world's eyes, then these presidents and kings and Hollywood celebrities and rich and famous moguls, they come by. And even a destitute person who's walking with God and knows the Lord and has faith can see through the presumptuous ways of those who just strut about and they're all important in this world. It's just God gives discernment to whosoever. That's the idea here. You know what I like? I, I, I sort of like this idea because it's saying, really, these insignificant people who are poor and, and nobody esteems them as important, they can spot arrogance and bravado and conceit in these rich people. And it, start, it made me think of that Hans Christian Andersen tale, uh, fairy tale, The Emperor's New Clothes. You remember that? <laughs> Let me refresh your memories. Uh, this vain emperor, two swindlers uh, came, tailors, and they said, listen, emperor, we've got this fantastic new thread. It's invisible to those who are fools, right? So uh, if, you, if it's invisible, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, right? It's invisible to those who are fools. Anyway, uh, but if you're really smart, you can see it, right? And so they put on them invisible clothes. Right, and he goes, of course, yeah, I see this beautiful, right? And the two guys are like, that'll be a gabillion pesos or whatever it was, right? And so uh, they paid for it. And, and the guy's strutting around with his new threads on, and he's saying, look at me, and everybody knows, hey, if you want to keep your job, 
you, you can't be a fool. So you have to see the clothes. So everybody's saying, whoa, look at those clothes, you know. So he thought, that, I'm going to have a parade. And he goes down Main Street with his new clothes on, but not much anything else, right? <laughs> and so a little kid sees him going down, and everybody gets the word like, hey, the emperor thinks he's wearing clothes. So everybody, yeah, you look great, you know. And then one kid cries out. He goes, hey, the emperor's not wearing any clothes. And everybody's like, oh. You know, you don't tell him that. The idea here is, is that even the poor, even those who are insignificant, even those who didn't go to school, even those who, who worked in sweatshops since they were eight years old in India, they have the Holy Spirit. They have discernment. And they see right through people's pride and ego and pretensions. Uh, just kind of a neat little reflection. Oh, <laughs> I forgot all about that. There it is. Do you get it now? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Verse 12, when the righteous triumph, there is great elation, but when the wicked rise to power, men go into hiding. Verse 12. So here, here's, he, here's what he's saying. It's a really quick one. Son, He's talking to his son. Immediate context is he's grooming up heirs to the throne. That's the immediate, wider. It's all God's children are called to be priests and kings and royalty someday. That's where we're headed. And so, son, be a cause for celebration, not a reason for fear. So people flourish under good administration and good care of leaders and heads of households. Uh, everyone's nightmare is when somebody evil gets power of any kind, whether it's your boss or a supervisor or a husband or a mom, you have power. And uh, you're supposed to use it to impact people for good. Verse 13, he who conceals his sins uh, does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. He knows his son is going to go take a wrong turn down a dead-end street. Who doesn't? We are all sinners. We fall seven times. Yes, we get up. The way we get up is through this verse. There's a way out of our stupidity, of our constant wandering, of our, our, our relentless reaching for the wrong thing to satisfy us. He says, listen, the way out is coming forward. And when, 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 you're, when you sin... And you know you're, you're down a wrong road. Instead of concealing it, you have a choice. Keep it to myself. Don't talk to anybody. Don't talk to God about it. And be punished and endure the consequences of that. Or God says, I got a way out for you. I got an exit for you. All you have to do is come forth and open your mouth and admit. confess means to agree with. Agree with God and say the words. I've bloated. I've done this. And, 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 and take full responsibility for it. And renounce means not just admit you're doing it, but you're turning from it. Just a beautiful. I, I've got a couple verses here. Old Testament um, Reflection on that truth. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord doesn't count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, that's what it said. Don't do that. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Scholars say this is when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and for a year was quiet. He wrote this song. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. Nothing worse than your conscience activated by God to try to bring you to a boiling point and to get the poison out of you. And what's the reason for pressuring you and your bones wasting away? It's to bubble up, the, pop the boil and get the poison out so that it's a redemptive suffering and weight that God does. My strength was sapped. I just couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to live anymore because I'm trying to do this double life. And then I just said, okay, my sin, here's my sin to you, and didn't cover it up. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Oh, oh, if you're in sin of any kind, just confess to, to someone. And don't confess to somebody who just passed.
pat you on the back and you know it's so easy to go back into it again because you can go to that same person and confess again and there's no heat, there's no accountability. Find somebody that makes you uncomfortable. That's the point. You don't go running to somebody who, you know, you almost kind of condone you so that you can confess and follow this and get and still do it. Oh, we're so mixed up up here, I'll tell you what. If we claim to be without sin, New Testament, we just say we're kidding ourselves. The truth isn't in us. If we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive and purify us. And so that's the way to go about it. And so prosperity and success and peace and joy are easy. Confess and forsake your sins. Amen? Okay, verse 14. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. And so this is an easy one. I like when King Solomon will say, son, you know what? I've got hundreds of Proverbs. There's like 900. And I just want to boil it down to one sentence for you. Keep your heart soft, you'll prosper. Fear the Lord. Soft, reverential for God. Harden your heart, you'll lose every time. Hardening your heart is the beginning to all kinds of trouble. And every trouble that you've ever been in in your entire Christian life, you can trace it back to you lost connection somewhere, you hardened your heart, your conscience was screaming, you were dulling it. It was that hardening. Don't harden your heart. I... When I feel like my heart is hard and my heart gets hard, it scares me out of my mind. When you start getting hard, you could just go, you know, you just start getting cynical and you just, you just drift away so easily. Just when you feel it and your eyes are dry, you don't feel anything anymore. Not that you always have to feel something. You know what I'm saying. You just feel like, the whatever. With God. On the knees, cry out, God, soften my heart. I think I pray God soften my heart every day of my life. It's just part of my praying. Every day, anytime I ever pray, that's in the flow. Soften my heart today. And fill me with the spirit. That's another one that just is right there. And one more. Help me hate the things you hate. I love the things you love. Those are really important things. Amen? Amen. Verse 15. Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked man ruling over a helpless people. Again, you're remembering he's talking to future heirs to the throne in the original context. So he's saying, son, are you going to be a blessing or a beast? I just want to know. You'll have an option to use your influence in this life. Everyone in this room, you have influence. And you're either going to be a blessing, or you're a beast, an animal. Now, the definition of beast is all for you at God's expense and everybody else's. It's all about you. And uh, to, to different varying degrees, obviously, depending on uh, where your position is. So interestingly, prophets like Daniel uh, describe godless world leaders in the past and the one to come as beasts. They use that word. And, and the Antichrist has an element of uh, the bear, the charging bear. And, and so the world's leader that's coming, and the world is totally setting stage. Even the, the, the slaying of the Russian ambassador, with Russia now blaming the, rest, the West, uh, partnering, partnering with Persia is Iran. Ezekiel 38 just says, in the end, Magog and Gog and Persia, that is Russia and Iran, will lead the way, and they're partnered in Syria, will lead the way into the Holy Land and bring the end comes. They're partnered and they're in Syria. And things are just uh, rhetorics going back and forth. And we're just, you know, and we've got a new president that's very different. And, uh, yeah, we could imagine some things getting pushed and some buttons being pressed, and, and not before the church goes skyward. 
because we're not appointed to wrath, the Bible makes it clear over and over and over again that Jesus said to the church, I will spare you from the hour of tribulation, the great tribulation, which will come upon the whole earth. We're not appointed to wrath. And so two will be in the kitchen. One goes, one stays. Two will be in a bed, an unequally yoked marriage, a believer and unbeliever. And Jesus said, Paul said, according to the Lord's own words, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. According to the Lord's own words about the rapture, what is that? Two, Jesus said, will be in a field doing business. And when the believer goes, the unbeliever stays. And then all hell breaks loose from Revelation chapter 6 to 18. It's the great tribulation. And the beast, the beast, he mows over the entire earth. For the last 42 months of earth's history, three and a half years, the last part especially, if you don't kiss that ring and worship him, you can't buy or sell or you're going to lose your head because here comes the charging bear. And the charging bear isn't going to stop with national boundaries. It will be World War III from which no one recovers. But that's okay for us. Because we've got box seats in the heavenlies. And we'll be watching it unfold. And that's what the Bible says. Verse 16. And you, you know, can I just say, the best solution if you're freaked out about that reality, just be right with God. Be right with Jesus. You'll have a ticket on Rapture Airlines. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you won't be left behind. And if you're left behind, listen, be martyred. And we'll all be waiting for you. Just be martyred. Take a stand for Jesus. And you'll see us all in a heartbeat. But more importantly, you'll see a smile on Jesus' face. But do not sell out with the rest of the world and take the mark, whatever that means, to submit to the world ruler. Well, let's throw that in there. I could preach all night on that. Verse 16. <laughs> Speaking of tyrannical rulers, they lack judgment, but he who hates ill-gotten gain will enjoy a long life. So verse 16 so he says, and by the way, speaking of these tyrants, there's no future for a self-serving, abusant tyrant wherever they are, <laughs> by the way. Hate uh, that kind of thing, son, and you'll have a blessed life. Verse 17. A man tormented by the guilt of murder will be a fugitive till death. Let no one support him. This is an interesting one. Here's what scholars say. Sometimes criminals can get away with it, and, but there's always a price to pay when there's wrongdoing. So that's the larger idea here. So he's saying that even when someone outsmarts the judicial system and gets off the hook even for murder, that when you do wrong and something like as heinous as murder, you're a fugitive, whether you're free or not. You're a fugitive because of your guilt. And it's hounding you for a reason. Because guilt is God's <laughs> sheepdog. To bite at our heels. To get errant humans into right posture so that God can save. Would he really save a murderer? Yeah, he would. Would he really say, fill in a blank, fill in the blank? He saved them all. Because you know why? Because Jesus is God in a body, and he hung on a cross and bled out. That's God's blood. And he said, whosoever comes to me, I will never turn away, and they'll have eternal life. Whoever. Whosoever, it's a big word. And that includes murderers, adulterers, fornicators, and worse. It doesn't seem fair. Well, you got in. <laughs> Verse 18. Verse 18. He whose walk is blameless is kept safe, but he whose ways are perverse will suddenly fall. Oh, it's that suddenly fall part that's dangerous. Uh, verse 18. Uh, okay, so easy one. Integrity brings security. Moral perversity brings insecurity. So he's saying, son, listen, <laughs> choose. Safe or unsafe? Stability or chaos? And I don't know what it is, but people choose chaos. 
I meet people all the time that they grew up with chaos and drama, that they're comfortable with it. It's a crazy dance, but it's their dance. You know, it's what I'm used to, and it's how I cope. It's, and so they, they marry into chaos, or they continue the chaos, and you really don't need to do that, you know? Just walk with God and enjoy his peace, amen? amen. Okay, verse 19 and 20 come together. He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. So another jab at lazy, uh, the vice of being lazy, it's so um, destructive. And so here's the general rule. He's saying, son, there's no shortcuts to success. Uh, There's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, And some things don't change, do they? 3,000 years ago. And look at this. Uh, Hard work brings provision, he's saying. Stick to the daily grind. Do your job well as as much as you see it as a daily drudgery. Be responsible, trustworthy, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. It'll work. It works. Uh, Instead of daydreaming... Or uh, for a life that's better somehow, schemes for quick cash, uh, to get rich, to buy a house with no money down, you know, and all of that. Uh, Winning the lottery, you know, I'm going to move to Hollywood. I'm going to move to Nashville. You know, instead of the X factor, you need the hard work F factor, ethic factor. (laughs) I'll try that again. Instead of the X factor, just work hard at a job. Get a job downtown at the mall. Just work your way. Go to school. Get a degree. Go to a trade school. These are just common sense things that God gives us instead of the pie in the sky thing. But uh, what was true 3,000 years ago is true today. Who wants to work? Who wants to work? Nobody wants to work, but everybody wants the reward of working hard for not working hard. And that was in us 3,000 years ago and today. Let me wrap up this one with a New Testament thought, but godliness with contentment's great gain. He's saying, listen, be content, Paul, to Timothy. For we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich, look at this. Those who want to get rich, Christian or non-Christian, Fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all evil. Not money, the heart. For trying to serve two masters, Jesus said you can't do it, you'll end up with money. Uh, For the love of money is the root of all evil, kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, he's talking about Christians, and pierced themselves with many griefs. So contentment, God, make us content. You know, the question I ask every week, how much is enough? Just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Don't be like that, because at the end of that road, there's pain. Uh, Verse 21, to show partiality is not good, yet a man will do wrong for a piece of bread. I really like this one. So even though showing partiality, and, and here the, the language in the Hebrew is courtroom language. So he's saying uh, to accept a bribe or something like that, or to show favoritism, to let the guilty off the hook, all right? It's wrong, but he's saying it doesn't take that much to entice people to do the wrong thing. That's his point here. So here's, here's what he's saying. Uh, to fill in the blank whatever the sin is, is not good. But look how easy a man or a woman will risk their entire life for it. So fill in the blank. You know, stealing from work, a little cash, is not good. But look what somebody will put on the line for 100 bucks. All kinds of examples are flooding me right now. Just fill in the blank. You know, a fling. What a man or a woman is is willing to put on the line their entire life, their kids, future generations, 
Christmases and, and graduations and weddings also all messed up and split apart and blown to smithereens. For what? One night or less than that. That's the point. Even though it's wrong and crazy, and why would anybody do that? How easy people will just step over the line for the stupidest things Jesus says and asks. He says, is, and now he's speaking about things that would keep you from saving faith. He says, you know, is anything worth losing your soul? There are, I've often said this, if we could unzip wherever hell Hades is right now, because hell's not open for business yet officially, but Hades, <laughs> Hades is. If we could go to Hades and kind of just say, oh, we're going to unzip it. Come on out here. Here's the microphone. Just talk to my people here, my people. <laughs> just talk to the church, the congregation who are pastor. Just why, what was it, sir, that kept you from Christ and eternal life, from calling on the name of the Lord, that's all he wanted. What kept you out of heaven forever and in agony forever? What was it? And he's going to have an answer because there's always something. It was the ladies. It was autonomy. I wanted my own. I, wanted to, I didn't want to go to church on Sundays and that kept me from hearing the gospel because I, I was into sports or I was into this or that or the other thing. And it cost you your soul. Oh. Well, I was into porn or I was into alcohol. And it cost you eternal life. Here's what he's saying. Sin is never an equitable trade. It's not a good trade. You'll always be on the, on the short end. You'll always get ripped off every single time you say, okay, I'll trade. Oh, verse 22. A stingy man is eager to get rich. A lot about this tonight. And is unaware that poverty <laughs> awaits him. So here's a constant reminder. Because most human beings, listen to me, have a hard time letting go of cash if it's not directly going to help and benefit and gratify me. So every human being has a hard time. We don't have a hard time letting it go if it's going to buy a new set of golf clubs or, 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 or whatever. You know, a new, new pair of shoes, ladies. Sorry. I love you. I, I really do. I love you all. And I think every woman should have at least 30 pairs of shoes. And every guy, three pairs or two. But we don't have problems with this as long as it's for me. But the second, we want to be generous. What? You need some money? You know, the pastor's saying, hey, you know, give and it'll be given to you. You know, so he's trying to say here, listen, a stingy man who wants to always think about himself and, and gain, he's unaware that poverty awaits him. And so just a, 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 a let me see here. God blesses the generous and opposes the greedy. He has to work with them. Verse 23, he who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. I have a heart here and a smile because this is a good one for pastors because part of their job is to correct. I mean, I'm correcting tonight. I don't even know I'm doing it because I'm reading his word, which corrects us, right? I'm correcting myself as well. But when people get corrected, uh, they get offended, they just get offended easily. And so uh, pastors have to deal with this. And, and this was encouraging to my heart. So it's, it's listen to what it's saying. He's saying, he's, he's implying that initially, when you give somebody the hard truth, and the hard truth has to be done in love with humility, looking at your own sins, it needs to be constructive and biblical, right? But when you do that, and the person, there's a little bit of falling out. There's a, there's a problem because they get their feelings hurt or their pride is wounded, all right? He says, listen, in the end, ultimately, later, usually you've got to wait for the later. Later, a reasonable, wise person who loves correction, because a wise person loves correction, they will, if they're reasonable and wise, if, if <laughs> they will 
realize, wow, it took courage to do that. Thank you. Who is going to tell me? I couldn't see it. Thanks for loving me enough. Oh, my other friends, you know, just like casual acquaintances, just telling me what I want to hear. He says, in the end, you'll regard them, uh, the ones who actually had the truth to, uh, the courage to tell you the truth, than those who just a lot of kissy up, be his kind of stuff. Uh, verse 24, we're almost there. He who robs his father or mother and says it's not wrong, okay? He is partner to him who destroys. Okay, verse 24. Now, we get a look at what he's talking about in ancient times here. Uh, there was a temptation back in those days to pressure and try to prematurely get control of the parents' estate and their assets before they died. So the children, godless children, would move in and start borrowing and taking and, and, and positioning themselves where mom and dad were, were losing their assets and couldn't enjoy what they had worked so hard for because it was secretly and deceptively and manipulatively going over to these godless children who were saying, it's not wrong. It's my mom and dad. It's ours. Do you see? So he's saying, no, 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 no. Prodigal son story, Luke 15. That's what it, this is what he was doing. Dad, I want, there were provisions to get your, uh, your estate, you get your inheritance before they actually died. And so he says, listen, no matter how you try to make these euphemisms a nice way of saying something that's awkward or wrong, um, you're actually, and I like this, the, de the destroyer is a violent thug. You're a violent thug, as if a violent thug broke into your parents' house and brutalized them. You may call yourself, oh, it's not wrong. They love me. Now, listen, tonight, I was just buying something at a grocery store. And I said, oh, can I change it? I, I was going to put in my debit card number. And I've got cash. I seldom have cash, you know, or, you know, I'm not used to having cash. And so uh, she, she says, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I use the cash. And she says, I never have cash because it disappears. And I was thinking, mm, that's just doesn't, actually, it's better to have cash. But I didn't say anything. And then she said, what I mean by disappear is I put, and she just doesn't make, there's no way she makes more than minimum wage at that job. She puts little money away in her top drawer. And one of her grandsons, who was staying with her because she was helping him out, she told me the whole story. Helping him out. He's going through hard times. He just likes, he, here's her words, tonight, and this is in my head. He doesn't like to work, so he borrows from grandma. <laughs> he doesn't like to work, <laughs> so he borrows from grandma. So she said, I learned not to put cash in the drawer anymore. It's not wrong. She's my grandma. She loves me. It's the first 3,000 years later. It's still working. It's unbelievable. What's new under the sun, really, right? Okay. Verse 25. A greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Verse 25. We are speeding through them. Okay. So a contrast here between the greedy who trust and live for money and stuff and believers who trust and live for the Lord and righteousness. So he's saying the object of your desire will determine the course of your life. So think about what it is you're after. So believers don't have to grasp after stuff to make them satisfied in life. Uh, so easy, self-centered approach to life will fail, and it stirs up trouble, but trusting and serving God uh, instead of money Will, will cause you to prosper. And then 26, uh, this is my favorite of the chapter. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. I learned at an early age in my Christian life, at eight, 19 years old, don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your little sinful voice. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
I have loved this verse for 36, 37 years. There's a way that seems right to a man, and in the end, it it leads to death. The world tells you to do it this way and think these thoughts. Don't trust in yourself, the Bible says. Uh, Wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord, standing against ourselves, Jeremiah 17, 9. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Don't go with your gut. Go with your God. That's what it's saying here. Amen? All right, 27. I think there's two more. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Now, if ever God wanted to get our attention uh, to want to be generous, here it is. He has to lay it out like this because of our hard hearts. Um, so it's same as verse 12. He's saying, son, cover to cover, help needy people, be generous. And he says, listen, here's the deterrent. Here's, here's the thing that, that you'll lack nothing. The, the reason why we don't want to part with the money to just give it away to somebody in need, right, is because we're afraid we're going to lack I'm giving this away. I'm giving to the church. I'm giving to poor people. I'm giving to missions. I'm giving to the guy on the street. By the way, you just don't enable guys on the street, but you can buy them warm clothing or food, but never cash, right? So God says, I just want to promise you, God says, God, when it's going out, I'll bring it back in. You'll lack no good thing. I promise. God says, I just promise. Jesus said, give and I'll be given to you. Give and it'll be given. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is saying, you have no reason to fear. I promise. I see it going out. I know how much it was better than you. And I know where to find the replacement. So loosen up. Loosen up. Amen? Amen. Well, if you want to receive, but if you don't, keep holding on. Keep holding on. The best feeling in the whole world is to give, and you know that. We all know that. This church, unbelievable. We're top givers in this county with missions and, and just the generosity. So I'm preaching to the choir, <laughs> and you sound lovely. I think this last one, and, and it's a repeat, so we're done here. When the wicked rise to power, people go into hiding. But when the wicked perish, the righteous thrive. So real quick here, it says, same as verse 12, son, use your influence, or daughter, use your influence to cause, listen, to cause those around you to thrive, not to want to hide. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your great love. We... We are letting the Holy Spirit have its way with the buckshot of these wonderful truths. May we be impacted afresh and anew, Lord. Just not let it go in one ear and out the other, but to take some of these to to heart, these truths, Lord, and put them into practice in Christ's name. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.